Welcome to the Out of Darkness podcast, episode six, Occultic Tennessee, part one. Hey, as I said, welcome to the Outer Darkness Show. I'm your host, Brent. This is the show where we discuss all things supernatural, paranormal, and strange phenomena. Sometimes we'll throw in the occult, just like we are today. But we have these conversations from analyzing them from the lens of scripture and using a biblical worldview. Today I have a special guest with me, uh, my good friend and brother in Christ, Cleveland. What's up, Cleveland? Hey, how you doing, Brent? So this is going to be a pretty interesting series, I think. Uh, Cleveland is actually originally from Memphis. Yeah. And uh, Memphis has a strange history when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Oh, yes, definitely. I could, I could list a whole lot of stuff we're going to talk about. Whew. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it, my man. <laughs> well, let's, let's start from the beginning then. Okay, well, first and foremost, no, Memphis... I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, one of the biggest things about Memphis is that Memphis has this strange delivery when it comes to occulted activity. Interesting. Yeah, because think about it. If you really want to know about Memphis history, you got to go way back to the time when um, when the first, the, let's say the Civil War. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, because of the things that's happened. But you got to go a little bit further more back because Civil War really started way in the 1800s, but it's really what everything started in the 1600s. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it started that far back. Yeah, because of, I didn't even know this, too, until I, I, I did a little bit of study, you know, okay. about things like that that's happening and everything else. And one thing that kind of, you know, curiosity kills the cat kind of thing is when I started to go back into history, and when you start looking into what really was going on, and you start to see that during the time in the 1600s, right, you know, of course, America was not formulated right, yet, right. Uh, not everything else, but when you start to see other European countries, uh, uh, people come from different places around the world, they come in, they never really go through the East Coast. That is true. I never thought about that. Yeah. But they always go through the Gulf of Mexico. And the main reason why, because they don't want to deal with taps and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. So that's why it, it made make sense how the Louisiana Purchase were, the people from France, all of them was coming in. They literally was coming in during that ports because they want to control it. So you think about it. All these areas in the South has some lineage that deals with a lot of the, the history, but they brought something with them, of course. Yeah, I think I think you and I have talked about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, different, definitely. They brought a lot of their culture in a way that we talk about culture. We're not just talking about the culture like something we can inherently say, hey, I grew up like this, but we brought some other culture here. Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, so when I was talking to you about the research with the Bell Witch, mm -hmm. you know, I, I had mentioned to you about how, in my opinion, their superstition, in a certain sense, kind of outweighed their belief system. Exactly. Is that kind of like what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. And that's where this really derives from, because we talk extensively about this, right. even before we really got into the other aspects of it. Because think about the, you know, a lot of people think about the Bell Witch, they're thinking, well, um, it happened with that family. No, I, I, I was very clear that it was not an isolated <laughs> event. No, no. This been going on way before they even came on that property. And right. I think it's a whole lot more that we will dig a little bit deeper into. Because it's like when you start researching more about, well, where this originally came from and where they came at and what all this started. And this family is been more in tune to this is someone else more in tune than we need to know. So I did a little bit digging. And, you know, one thing I love about the Internet is that sometimes the Internet don't give you all the things that you need. You start you to start go back into looking in books. Right, right. I'm actually kind of facing that. So uh, 
the, the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually doing it on Hellhounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of experiencing that and to, to, to a degree that it's more of an experience. It's not something that people really wrote down per se. So it's, it's interesting that you have to kind of go back and do that really. Right. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't surprise me. Right. 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 <laughs> no, I know. And that's why it's so amazing when you talk about assisting something, I say, I will give you a good exact date that I found so far that we was talking about the bell the Bell family, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back into, you know, actually before they even came to, to uh, even in this area that we're in now, we're going to go all the way back into, let's say, the year of 1698. Why is that a significant year? Well, I'm going to tell you what happened. Now, I found out that nobody didn't claim the land at that time. And, okay. of course... At that time frame, you have Native Americans at the time was still around right. at that time. Right, for sure. Well, of course, you know this is where a lot of settlements started coming up a little bit more prominently in in that area because a lot of French and everything else was coming that way. But it wasn't the French that was there. It was mainly a lot of Scandinavians. You know, that's interesting because I think most people would think about the Scandinavians being up in like. Minnesota area, mm-hmm. not you not, know, the south. Middle, not, not no, the south of Middle Tennessee. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too, when I was looking this up. But there's a lot of uh, Scandinavians was just coming in, but the problem with them, a lot of them did not like the area. I, I mean, it makes sense. Right. You know, you're, you're coming from a cold environment. Mm-hmm. You're coming from a certain type of climate, and, and I can understand that. Right. You know, it would be excruciatingly uncomfortable. Exactly, because of the heat and everything else. Right, right. And But the thing about Scandinavians that I know is during the 16th, uh, in, in around that time before the 17th century or mm-hmm. when they was coming out, the whole problem was that they literally have a lot of people died. Oh. There. Huh. It, yeah, a whole family. Uh, I couldn't re- it, it's the, the date was not really uh, clear or who the family was. But it was a lot of families that barely passed away in that land. Interesting. Yeah, because when we was digging it up a little bit more, uh, um, and I had to go into a actual library, an old school library, to really uh, just look it up. And you know, one thing I liked is about this library: if you want to look up a book, right, you could go and get online, and they could actually, you know, give you the book and everything. But I found this book. And while I was reading a little bit, it was saying sixteen ninety eight, very, 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 very crucial year. Last game Navy families was in Middle Tennessee. Huh. Then when I would they, have never thought that. No, never nobody would, because if you really look how they was going, you think Scandinavians in Middle Tennessee where the humidity is really high. Right. And you got a lot of things going on. Of course not. But when you saw it, it was a lot of families who passed away there because something happened to that, the fact that they was trying to come in so they had to go north. Oh, okay. And I think that the main reason why, because go back to when the, the new early settlements and stuff like that, right. those people, everybody then was trying to come through there. So we got to deal with that. Yeah, that makes sense. Then, then now, fast forward, okay, so you got those families who died there, right? So, but the lot of Native Americans were still around at the time. Robertson around the area, you know. So you got the the Tiwaks, and you also have the Cherokees, mm-hmm. and also you got the uh, the the uh, Chickasaws. All of those different right. kinds of tribal Indian places. Now we we'll go go a little bit further. Let's go into where everything started becoming critical. Is in 1752. Okay. Now, 1752 is a very critical year as well because now we talk about 1698. 1752 is where you start to see families of okay. different French people coming in into Tennessee. Now, remember, Memphis was not made yet. Right. That was, uh, what, 18... 18- I know it was after, after the Civil War, correct? Right. Well, because Memphis was not even named because, see, remember, Memphis... First name as a uh, head of, well, let's say capital of, Me- of Tennessee. And yeah, that's right. I forgot about that brief history. Right, right. And around that time frame, Memphis was not even 
a claim city yet. It was still a boomtown. It was. And <laughs> in around 1700s, everything started to trade. You got New Orleans, you got Shreveport. I was hoping that you would say that. Yeah, cause, yeah. Because, you know, we, we've talked about that, actually, about right. how... Memphis is such a crucial role, and and even I think Clarksville to a degree because oh. you have two rivers, two primary rivers. Right. And I know we're eventually going to get into this anyways. Right. But, you know, rivers were the primary means of transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, transportation. So, in a way, it doesn't surprise me about the Scandinavians because, again, uh, again, this is obviously post-war Vikings. Yeah, exactly, exactly, uh, or a post-year Vikings. Yeah, right? Exactly. So, right, right, right. This could have been potentially Christian. I mean, we really don't know. We don't. We don't know their hearts we or anything like that. No, we, of course not. But what we can assume, as what you had said, is mm-hmm. that they have brought some of those presuppositions with them, mm-hmm. and I think that either directly or indirectly is going to have an effect. Of course, because you got to look at it now. We don't know, like you said, we don't know where they were like Christian or not, but we got an idea. That if you look at some Scandinavian families, most of them are mostly have some leans into the Viking uh, territory, right, things like that, right. and uh, everything else. Which again, that doesn't surprise me. Right, exactly. But you also look at the fact that during, like I said, go back into 1700s and going into about to hit to the 1800s here. Okay. okay. This is where you start to see developments of the South really start to become mainstream. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not just the Revolutionary War, but you had, you know, Daniel Boone and, right. his, and, and his settlements. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I, and I can't, for the life of me, remember all of them. Right. There's right. so many. It's, it's a several of them. You also got Andrew Jackson coming up. That's right. That's yeah. right. And see, and then a lot of people were like, oh, now you're really talking. Yeah, because thinking about Andrew Jackson, did not like Indians. <laughs> right, right. In fact, uh, for, those, for those listeners that either know this or not, we have a, we have a town here in Tennessee called Hickory, Tennessee. Yes. And it's actually the name, it was from the name of his plantation. Yeah. But he got that nickname because he was... Old Hickory. He was old Hickory. He was he was a hard man. And he mean, was we'll very, just, yeah. We'll just leave it, leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard, but we, we like, you, like you said, Brent, we would definitely leave it at that. But also, too, we got to look at this, too. What was going on with those rivers that we really need to really come to terms with? And I'm glad we talk about this, and I'll give a good segue into it. During this time, let's go into 17, the 1700s, right? In 17, let's go a little bit back in 1789. Okay. Then we hit to 1790-something now, because 1789 is really critical. Yeah, I mean, the Revolutionary War was still going on, yeah, I believe, at the time. Right. But notice that a lot of people was not really involved in, this, uh, in the Revolutionary War. But that they is were, true. Yeah. But also, these same people who were involved, they was halfway in it, but they know they was doing other stuff. It was the French. It right. was the Spanish. No, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah. It is. And when you look at the French, because I want to harp on the French a little bit, is that they did some things that brought a lot of occultic things into America that a lot of people huh. don't know. So we got to think about, you got some French who literally were ostracized away from France because France was more Catholic. Right. And, and, okay. Oh, it still is. Yeah, it still, yeah. So a couple of year, years ago, to mm-hmm. kind of prove this point, mm-hmm. uh, so my wife right. uh, is actually fluent in French. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. If you get her talking in French, it's very hard. But once she does, she it, it, it's, it's <laughs> on the roll. It's, it's, it's interesting, right? Especially when Pastor Ron and her kind of start talking French, which, <laughs> which happens from time to time, right? But uh, I had to surprise her one Christmas. I got her a French Bible, not realizing that the French's only understanding of the Bible is from a Catholic perspective. Exactly. So it is a Catholic French Bible. Right, right, and that's weird that. The ones that were le- left the, uh, in France moved into America. They did the French Corps, all the other places, and built up New Orleans. Because it, if you look up the word Orleans, it came from France. Right, right. So, so if you're thinking about what happened, these guys who were who who made New Orleans and all this area, they was not really per se Christian. Oh no! I mean, I don't know how they could be. Yeah. It, well, it's it's 
obviously, you know, we're primarily talking about Tennessee, but like if you if you take that culture from Tennessee, right, mm-hmm. uh, that you experienced you right know, throughout your upbringing, that's not going to be horribly different from what you experienced in New Orleans. No, if you're totally and, right, and I and I know eventually we're probably going to talk about this, but but you know, it's it's so interesting that we are instead of what I would expect to be more of a predominantly, you know, occultic, which would be Scandinavian, mm-hmm. just based off of the background, we're instead seeing the French, mm-hmm. which at the time, the Huguenots were were like a, a were, right. were someone that I would love to mention because I mean, yeah, they're they're really, you know, Christian heroes to me. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. And you think about what you just mentioned, you understand? That's really interesting. You said that. They are not only the only type of families that were settling in from the French. You got people from Spanish. You right, also right. got people who, not, like I said, we do we did mention Scandinavia, and we do have some Scandinavians were still down here in the South, but most of them start moving towards like Kentucky. Okay, yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, uh, well, Kentucky, so. For those of you that don't really know the terrain around here, so so Tennessee is very interesting when it, when it comes to terrain. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so eastern Tennessee is probably what most people consider Tennessee, that Nashville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you go across the state, it gets more flat. Yeah, it, so right, right. It's it's interesting, like, when you go from, like, where we're at, middle Tennessee, and you start heading west. Oh. I did that on my motorcycle one day. I did about, about 100 miles, uh, and I was about... <laughs> Literally almost to Memphis one day, and was like, I feel like I'm in a foreign world. <laughs> yeah, mean, you are. It, the terrain literally changes that much here in Tennessee. It does. It, it's really ridiculous because if you think about it, when people talk about mountains and hills and things like that, Middle Tennessee is kind of like those areas that you're talking about. Right, right. But think about about those two rivers. Now, we'll talk about that a little bit because I want to talk about the 1789 to 1798 when those, if you think about doing that time, Memphis, and we talk about Nashville. Okay. Nashville was a new little city. A lot of people didn't know that at the time. That is true. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, you obviously know more about Tennessee history than I do, but I do remember reading about, you know, the Nashville that we experience today is not the same Nashville that we would have experienced back then. No. And believe it or not, folks, like Nashville isn't as big as what it seems. It's 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 a it's a what we like to call a big little town. It really is. It's, uh, it's not and, that and big. even and even Memphis is like that. I mean, most of the areas in Tennessee, even Clarksville, what we're in, is kind of like a big little town. Like it, we yeah. we have privileges of being like a bigger town, but but it, it's really not that no, big. It's not that big at all because I've been in places like Kansas City and uh, New York and right. uh, Los Angeles. And Houston and Dallas, I, I, that's big cities. Right. But not like Memphis, Nashville, Clarksville, or even if you go really want to get really, really uh, down and ugly with it, um, nothing in Tennessee was that big. It's not that right. big at all. And why is that? Now, a lot of people want to know, why is these cities like that? Well, here's why. Let's go back to, like I said, 17, let's, let's go back to 1798. 1798, Memphis, the way that the guys who are the main families, and we'll talk a little bit more about main families because oh, those, I know you've been dying to talk about that. <laughs> uh, main families in Tennessee is very, very prevalent. The Bell's family is one of them, and we just call that out. It's one of those. And main then families. obviously Montgomery is the other one. Yeah, Montgomery is the definitely it's the number two. Then you also got now you got Overton's number three, and a lot of people okay. that's the that's one, but. Crump family. Hmm. Okay. Now we'll talk about Crump family. A we'll little we'll bit. get on to that. Let's, oh, get, let's, 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 let's get back to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we will get to it, guys. Y'all will love this. Now back to this part about what's going on in the seventeen eighty nine and seventeen ninety eight. Now during that time, Memphis was trying to build itself a ports. Okay. And the, the ports of entry is very prevalent because of the Mississippi River. That makes perfect sense. Right. Because Mississippi River is the biggest, it's, it's the main carrier. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, the way that the Mississippi kind of goes into Memphis, there's really only kind of one way in and one way out, right? Exactly. And people just think, well, it's some, no, it's one way in and one way out. 
and it's still like that to this day. Oh, okay. Because of the way that the, the, the riverfronts are and how they are, especially going up, start from the bottom of Gulf of Mexico going up, it's easier. It's like, does the river go backwards? He kind of, it kind of does. I never thought about that, really. Yeah, it kind of does because it, it, well, it, it started with how the landmass is, but also is we had, you know, of course, earthquakes. Right. And we, we'll sure. talk a little more about that too, how these caves were developed, but it's another way that it developed man wise. Folks, you said the magical word caves. Yeah. Caves. <laughs> yes, caves, guys. Because a lot, it's a lot of caves in these areas we're about to talk about. So Memphis here, it was a big, huge port, and they're trying to do a lot of distribution of goods and services. Now, think about what we live at in near the Clarksville area. Okay. Okay, the Cumberland River and the Tennessee River. Well, that river right, and stuff right. like that formulates. Or even the Red River. The, definitely the Red River. That's another one. Good one. Those rivers, right, is connected to the Mississippi. True. Very true. So if you look at those rivers, right, those rivers, right, were main distributors to those places spread out in Tennessee. It's it's just like I had told you about John Bell. One of his primary businesses was to use the river as a means of transporting goods, Mm -hmm. actually, eventually down to New Orleans. Right. Uh, I'm I'm sure that he had to go through Memphis. I mean, I I don't see how you would not go through Memphis to get to New Orleans. Well, you know, it's fine that um, when we talk about John Bell, I did look up a little bit of the, you know, you can look at the historic uh, road maps and archives of Memphis uh, transportation of different riverfronts and stuff like that. And you could go to the Memphis archives in Memphis, Tennessee, and I cannot think of the website top of my head, but I will give you that for your show notes. Okay. Um, it's where you go in, you can find the historic landmarks. Tobacco was a big, huge thing. And, oh, sure. You know, I mean, that's that's primarily, I think that's one of the main things that the Bells did. Yeah, yeah, it's the tobacco. That was really huge with that. It's tobacco, it's corn, and also wheat. Um, but in Memphis, the biggest ones they love most is tobacco. Oh, that makes that makes sense. Right. Tobacco trade is very, very huge. And New Orleans is really notoriously huge with tobacco trade. Also makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of these things going on. But these occurrences is really, really strange, though, about in 1798 was it was an incident that happened. It was it was a May of 1798. Hmm. During that time, it was a incident, a fire incident that happened during the time in the Cumberland River that caused a very pandemic. I have never heard this before. Oh, man, the research is there, man. And I did a little bit of it. And when you go back to the history of, of Clarksville a little bit, that's when you start to look a little bit more and more and more into, well, what happened in 1798 that caused this, this huge tragedy? Well, it was that it was a huge fire. Okay. And the fire was when one of these, the I uh, think it was uh, barges of, Tobacco was supposed to go down from the Cumberland to near the ports, near going into Memphis. Okay. It burned. Well, that's not good for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it lived burn. But a lot of people to this day don't know what happened. Interesting. Huh. And that's when things started to get really weird. Well, I mean, for, for those that don't know, so like one of the blessings, I guess... If you're a tobacco lover like I am, yeah, uh, love to smoke pipes. Actually, in my spare time, I haven't for a long time. But one of the beautiful things about Tennessee, especially this area, is the smell okay. during like the October November time. Yes, uh, because it is what if you didn't know they actually have to dry the tobacco before they can transport it. Exactly, you have uh, to. So it it's very strange. Mm-hmm. That a fire would break out, mm-hmm. although once it starts burning because it's all dried leaves, mm-hmm. it's just going to literally engulf everything. Yeah, it did, and not only engulf a lot of things, Brent. It caused more of a money issue. Well, let me explain what that happened. Huh, okay. Now, during that time, this is where things started to get a little bit hairy. In eighteen oh one, now we are jumping from nine and nine eight. And we have to get to 1801 because this is real start. So about three years. Three years. Some weird stuff was going on during that time. So 1798, 1801. Which is interesting because according to the records, the Bells had actually moved here, I think it was 1804. Right. Yeah, that's where they started to get a little bit hairy. Hmm, okay. Okay. In 
this area, we talk about this area very exclusively because this is a very prominent area where the Bellses are and everything else, how right, the almost right. land they have. During that time, Bells was really have lots of influence in Memphis. A lot. I didn't know that because it's never it's never said anywhere. No, because they have a lot of influences because they were more like traders. Oh, okay. Right. And the more when they trade, they trade a lot of goods and services, and they was doing a lot of stuff in this area, but they was exclusive in this area yet. Gotcha. gotcha. So when they so act- this would have been like the time frame that were they were still in North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, they were probably still doing tobacco, I would assume. Right. And then, man, that's a trek, though, to go from North Carolina, Carolina to here to, to, to Memphis. I mean, like, you're talking thousands of miles. miles. But you got to think about it. Look at all the, the, the track they're doing. You got North Carolina. How were you able to move stuff from North Carolina to Memphis so in a good time frame without really move, skipping a beat? You got to go. Over. I mean, you you got a good point because I mean, there's really only two modes during this time frame. You right. either have horse and carriage, which that's not going to work for something like tobacco. No, because, uh, right? It would work for maybe possibly wheat. It may work for even cotton. I would say right, cotton definitely because. Uh, but tobacco is very particular. I mean, it, we kind of have to explain that because t- tobacco is something that has kind of made America what it is. I mean, yeah. let, let's be real about it. You, you tell the truth. Uh, right. But, yeah, to, to go from North Carolina, and this this is Halifax County, so ironically enough, uh, Lydia's mom's family is actually from Halifax County. Really? Yeah. And so when she found out that it was Halifax County, she goes, well, wait a second. How, how, did, they, how did they manage even to get to Tennessee? And I'm like, it would have been months and months and months journey. I mean... And you're and you're talking about a family who had, who had wealth. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they they already had wealth before they even moved here. Right. Uh, and if you ever go to the property, folks, I mean, you'll you'll see what I mean. Like the, yeah. the where. Now keep in mind where they where the cabin is now is not the original location, but mm-hmm. we're talking about a man who wanted to have the biggest house in the area on top of the hill to be yeah. able to view view everything. I mean, that's that's how he was. Yeah, yeah. Let's of be real about it. Yeah. But it's. Interesting that Memphis was the main place. I, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of boggles my mind. Just, yeah. just the distance. Yeah, because, I mean, when I was looking at it from how John Bell really literally, you know, how he, I said, how are you going to travel from North Carolina to Memphis? To, to, yeah, because I'm even thinking about the river system. I mean, I, I would imagine that would be complex. Yeah. You but, would have to nav- navigate, like, extremely well. I mean... I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, well, yeah, because that's really what's weird because I had to ask a, a, a friend of mine who is a navigator. Okay. And I asked him a question. I said, and I asked him this, this uh, last week, uh, and he even told me a little bit of it this week. He says, now, the way that it could be Cleveland of how this day he traveled is that it's the way he traveled. I said, what do you mean? He says, you got to get to the Atlantic, travel down. Oh, okay. And and but yeah, I said, but yeah, go through Florida, right? And I don't, I don't, I don't recollect anything about Florida related to no any of their travels. No, neither I. But yeah, I said, but that's gonna be a long trip. He says, yeah, you're talking. I mean, gosh, I know a guy, and this is a bit off topic, but I'll I'll say this just for context. Uh, I actually knew a guy, had met him. He he became homeless, uh, but he had a really interesting story. He had lost his wife, unfortunately, and uh-huh. decided to sell his house and buy a kayak. And he wow. kayaked by way of the Atlantic, the kind of the what you're saying, right. from North Carolina to uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Wow. And he got to Jacksonville, Florida, and somebody stole his, his boat, and so he was stuck there. Wow. But I asked him, just, just for context, like, how long did that take him? He goes, well, it's been about six months. So here's one guy with just this gear in a kayak, and it takes six months. So imagine what a, uh, you know, we're talking about a barge here. Yeah, a barge that do take a little bit longer. And so I don't I don't know how that would work. Well, see, that's one thing about this. He said, well, this is something about the systems that they did build in the South, even moving cotton, even moving anything, Atlantic, Florida, up. And they said because that's how they do, it's called the general 
uh, services in a, in the South. You know, when you talk okay. about different kinds of trades and stuff like that, you have to deal with the Atlantic seaboard. Then you got also you got to deal with the Gulf of Mexico and all these right. Ways so every, I, I see what you're saying. So it kind of pushes right everything in that general direction. Exactly. Okay. And when you look at it, why would John Bell from North Carolina never goes through the states. And I had to go in, like I said, my friend who's a navigator, and he says this is how he did it, if if this is possible. You got to go from the coastline of North Carolina. Which, Halifax County, that's exactly that's, where it is. That's Halifax County. And you got to travel south. So you got to go to okay. south, south Carolina. Then after that, you got a little bit of Georgia. Then you got the Florida. Now, I will say... In that area, I, I would say that the current has got to be sketchy. That's and, what, and so the reason why I say that is because I lived in, in Jacksonville, Florida for about six years. Right. And, and so by Jacksonville, because it's on the outside of the state, I would say it's way more harsh as far as the, the current than what it is in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that's the weird thing about Florida is that they're like polar opposites when it comes to like the current. Right. And that's why you look at that. He said that the only way it could happen because you got to look at the, 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 the whole line, everything else, you got to look at how that is. You got to look at how they polarize the current. Okay. The, 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 the years and the timeline, all of that really, Make sense. I said, that's so, interesting. Yeah, because he said that because the 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 currents now is totally different from back then. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's got to be right. So because I mean uh, even the keys, like there's only a few keys left, right? Know, because exactly. storms have literally taken them into the ocean, the, right? Exactly. But he said that during that time frame, the Florida had more keys, of course, at that right, time frame, right? And you could go through those keys to get to the Gulf of Mexico. Because okay, of how they sp- split everything else. But he had more keys, though. Right. And um, the way that he was thinking, the currents back then was as strong it was now. Because the currents gotcha. it, it, uh, back then were a little bit more calmer because, the, the, the um, now, of course, we have the Sentinels area, right, right. all that area and the time. Um, all those do matter. But you got to look at it, how they travel through it. Well, now that you say that, it makes it actually makes sense for one point. So it's very it's I've, I've been open about this. Uh, John Bell had did have slaves. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, though, is the way that they spoke, uh, according to like the records, because right. I wouldn't say that it was necessarily Haitian. But it wasn't African either. It was like a. a, a I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it. Like a, uh, you you got a point. I know you're saying. I, I mean, it's 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 hard to describe, but mm-hmm. there's a there's a certain accent even still in within the black community now, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's South Carolina that still speak like this. Now, uh, I'm glad you brought that up too about South Carolina because um, I wasn't thinking about South Carolina first until when my the nav- my friend the navigator he was literally he was looking at. In order for you to travel like this, you gotta travel through a lot of different seaboards, and you gotta have different places to pit. You know, right, to, right. So yeah, because I mean, the barges back then. I mean, you're essentially basically talking. It would have to be some type of sailboat, I would imagine. Yeah, and but, a lot of the sailboats then were they were capable to move like that, and yes, they were. And um, yeah, you you make a point there. You yeah, do. because a lot of them they they move they move in a certain way. That is more like an actual cruiser, like interesting. Because okay. if you think about the cruisers of those sailboats back then, there was more not like river boats because river boats moved in the river. But right. these are actual sail cruisers, like you know what they usually use uh, to bring in goods and services from other places. I see what you're where, saying. Right. I see what you're saying. So when the bells were very prominent with that. And they was huh. uh, they was but they was not their boats though. They was actually borrowed boats that were utilizing. Okay. Now it's starting to make sense. Right, right. To be able to move the way they move, and they dock in the uh, the port of Louisiana, uh, port of New so Orleans. So I wonder, and this is just kind of a, a curiosity thing. Mm-hmm. 
if part of the reason as to why the Bells actually moved to Adams, Tennessee, was to make this process easier. Yes. Because, uh, because if they were already established in Memphis area and obviously in New Orleans because right. it's in the records. Yeah, exactly. It would make more sense to only be able to have to travel halfway through the Tennessee, you know, right. And I think they said the average travel is about six months. Yeah, six months. Where, really. So whereas if you're going out using the Atlantic Ocean, right, you're talking probably close to a year yeah. realistically. Mm-hmm. It was really a lot. It was a lot of time being not utilized very well because they was looking at losing a lot of profit with tobacco. But they figured okay. out the way by once they figured out, okay, we need to be able to travel this. Well, that's that's our, brilliant as far as business is concerned. I yeah, mean, I mean, I can't. I can't knock him for thinking business-wise. Yeah, but also, too, this is where it started to get hairy. When they realized that, Adams, thinking about the city. Okay. All right. Now, we're going to go into 1803. Okay. Now, we already established that. That's how long this stuff was going on, moving this stuff from, like, say, 1801. So you're talking, what's this, uh, about five, maybe ten years at this point? Yeah. Ten years, wow. and this is a really work in progress here. And I mean, you think about all the families. I was really looking at the fact we need to we lose some money here, and we right. Lose I mean, money. even even with the research that I did, it was clear that he was a businessman first. He was a farmer and a businessman first. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's also interesting though that. You know, if we go back to the theory of him using the Atlantic, yeah, culturally, you would be exposed to a lot of things, actually. That's what we're about to get into when he moved. You see, we, we think about it. He moved his family from North Carolina to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We know it's 1803. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 1803, now, this piece of land we talk about, we don't know until we're about, to, we're about to get into it a little bit now. This piece of land was not only a land that is very fertile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the current owners are still farming it. Right. You know, and they've owned it for about 30 years now, and they're still doing tobacco to this day. Right. That's where he really started to become prosperous with the tobacco that industry. Makes yeah, that and makes sense. Uh, then, of course, Adams... Uh, uh, Tennessee is very prominent in that area for him to add as a depot. If you really look at okay. it, yeah, you know, it's a huge depot for his family to be able to travel and stuff into to the fro from different areas for that reason. Now, I don't know if you ever paid attention to this, but Lydia pointed this out when we went out there one time. So there's like these little, and they're not even townships, but right. they're like these little areas that are like something depot or like something. There's a second name to it. And she's like, why is that? I said, maybe they used it as a port, but now you're kind of confirming that. Yeah, because... That that, that those areas were like stopping points... Right, it was. ...along the river. Yeah, and that's really what it was, because when you... Now, you mentioned it, it it had a second name, but like you say, it's not a township. No, it's... And it's... I I forget what what the the name that they use, but it's, it's like something... I want to say a trailer post, but it's not a trailer post. No, it's I can't remember the name of it. Neither I, because I was asking questions, and remember, I remember you told me this. You say they don't want to talk about it. You are so right. In yeah, as so, Tennessee. So, so yeah. To to give a little bit of context to that, uh, there's been documentaries. There's been people going into Adams and and several Adams. Keep in mind, okay, like when we're when we mention small town, we're mentioning like maybe a couple hundred people. Okay, yeah. Adams is very historical, yeah, very very old, and when you start talking about the Bell Witch, okay, outside of the being at the location, yeah, and you start asking locals, it's like this anywhere in Tennessee. You're you're gonna find that people are very skittish, uh, Ooh, yeah. And, and the way that I look, okay, I got tattoos, slicked back hair, I, I look like kind of like a punk, I guess, or mm-hmm. a rocker or whatever you want to call it, and and so like people aren't willingly to like talk to me just based off my looks which i'm kind of used to and like again like i'm not saying that it's just me like if any person walks into those areas right you know it's kind of like going to the local diner Mm -hmm. like and and you just start you know trying to have a conversation you can have a conversation all you want just don't don't bring up certain things exactly and the bell Bell witch is one of them 
Yeah, definitely that because um, I just asked a question about John Bell. Listen to his name, and, and, and I'm sure everything stopped. <laughs> it's like you drop a, a, a actual nail on the floor, and you can hear it. Wow, really? Just just from that? Just the name, and it's really weird. I said, whoa, whoa, "Wait a minute!" And when they hear John Bell, don't mention his name again. It was a I, I kid not. That's so that's so interesting because like he's always portrayed as a family man, which I have no doubt he was. Right. He was portrayed as a Christian, which, I again, I have no doubt that he was, but there has to be something about his character. Yeah. Because I keep hearing this. Yeah, same thing. I mean, I was, remember you, you tell me, you said, if you mention his name, people go, like, stop. Now, keep in mind, Cleveland has been in Tennessee his whole life, okay? Yeah. Like, this is not something that he's exaggerating here. Like, no. And, and he's talking about, like, not just even isolated here and, and you know, Middle Tennessee. He's talking about, like, even down in Memphis, like, you mentioned his name. Yes. it's it. That's that's strange to me. Yeah, because, I mean, and it's really funny. A friend who, like, who knows the Overtons, about the family and everything else, even mentioned the name John Bell. Why? Wow, that's that's so that's so weird. Yeah, I said, well, "What he do?" And the guy said, "Well, you gotta talk to Michael Overton." I said, "That's gonna be hard to talk to Michael Overton because, huh. yeah, Michael Overton is one of the patriarchs of the Overton family. So he's he's what we like to call an untouchable." Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you talk about talking to Overton, that means we gotta go through several leaps of bounds to talk to Mister Overton about. Mike, uh, uh, John Bell, huh. and, and they about John Bell. What did he do? Is something now, now that we he... do know that he he did have a couple of business deals go wrong, uh, both in North Carolina and, and here in Tennessee. Yeah, of course we know uh, about that because I don't know if I mentioned this in dur- like during the series, but he was excommunicated out of the actual church. Yeah. I don't remember what year it exactly it was, but we would look at that today as like, okay, so you're charging extra interest, so what? Like credit card companies do that all the time, you know. right? <laughs> but but we're talking about you know almost two hundred years ago, if not farther. Like yeah. that's a big deal in that culture back then. Yeah, we, 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 you no. know. So I, I'm not going to say that he was ruthless because I don't I don't believe he was. But man, that's so weird. That, that's that's strange. I've, right. And, and the fact that this is something that like I didn't think we were going to go back to the bells. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like right. this is something that like. When you're talking about the occults in Tennessee, one name that keeps coming up is the Bells. And I'm yeah. going, but they were, you know, they were represented in a different way. Yeah. But you also, you got to look at this, though. Those occults, if you really go back a little bit further when he moved there, it started with people coming to him. Oh, okay. To, See, so this is probably what you were talking about, like in 1803, right? Right. The 1803, when they actually moved and everything started, they started to settle. Into Tennessee. Okay. This is where the families of Tennessee, some of the families who are in the area, but mainly Memphis, because Memphis is a key element of all this. The families of Memphis, some of them who will allow certain people to come and do business and stuff like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. You got to, it's, it's almost something, it's still to this day like this. It's like you got to kiss the ring of that family to be able to get what you want in Memphis. You know what's funny? I think America, I'm pretty sure America fought against that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> that's the daily battle. Yeah, like that's, that's the, <laughs> and, and something to just point out, I mean, like we're not that far removed I know. From the Revolutionary War at this point. Yeah, you know, I know. It's, it's only about 20, well, 20 years. 20, 30, almost 20 years. Right. So that's still going to be in fresh in people's minds. Right. You know, so the fact that you would have to go to a person and, and kind of ask permission, if you will, to do anything, yeah. it's just, it's it's strange. Well, yeah, and that's really what's really weird about all that is that when you think about it, the families like that in Memphis, especially in Tennessee in general, Remember, we talk about Nashville really wasn't a actual capital yet. Right, right. I think that was just kind of a. I remember reading something about it. And it was it wasn't like a 
being it was still being established, but they they had a certain idea for it, and I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's here to tell by each person, each to his own, to understand what they they are because they, it's so many variations. Yeah, and and that's the that's the problem with a lot of these stories, especially when there's multiple families involved, is that yeah. it's hard to tell what the truth actually is. I mean, let's let's just segue into this real quick. We know what the truth is. Obviously, the truth is Christ. And, and so, like, you know, let's let's remember that, yes, we're talking about the occults. Yes, we're talking about some pretty difficult things Absolutely. related to our, our Tennessee history. But we're still pointing to Christ simultaneously. Exactly. And so we're going to get into the, to the argumentation eventually. I just wanted to point that out real quick because... Mm-hmm. Some of this stuff is going to get really dark really quick. <laughs> yeah, it, it really so, will. So just keep that in mind, folks, that, you know, as Cleveland and I kind of start walking through this, and we're just trying to give you some historical context here. Right. Uh, you know, but he's got some stories related to this that I was trying to wrap my head around, and I, I'm a former cultist. Yeah. If a former cultist is trying to wrap his head around certain things that you kind of bring to the table, that that should say something. Yeah, I, I I promise you guys, it's interesting. Um, Brent, we we are just getting a little bit of the crumbs. Oh, about, for sure. Yeah, about about to get into, but now let's really get into a little bit of why John Bell is in Memphis. Okay, so so let's backtrack. A- eighteen oh three, right? And we mentioned how they they just moved here. Yeah, they just did, and, and so they are prominent already through trade in Memphis. Exactly. So that's where we're at, I think. Right. Now, they want to see the Bell, uh, John Bell want to make an establishment. Okay. And of course, that's really understandable because every company, every business person want to make an establishment in sure. everywhere they want to live, everything else. So it could keep this as a solidify. Well, Memphis is a pretty occult place to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I think throughout the ages it's changed, obviously. Of course, but yeah. But. I don't think that it's changed that much. <laughs> no, actually, it is. And, and I'm sure you can probably get into that way more than what I can. Oh, but. it's it's a whole lot more. It's more. I think it's it's starting to become more prevalent now than it is back then. Well, you know, I, I've said this in passing to you, and I'll, I'm eventually going to talk about this at some point. But I think the Alistair Crowley has a lot to do with that, just it from a from a from a cultural standpoint, because right. prior to him, right, because he was such a big public figure, right, he had so many people that were following him throughout. I mean, we're talking Hollywood, we're talking uh, sports, we're talking, I mean, you name it, there were people following him. And I think that's when it became out in the open. Yeah, it You did. know, after, after that, and I think the second part of that is people try to justify wars and try to justify mm-hmm. hardships. Yeah, definitely. And so when you don't look towards Christ there and the you cross, go. you're going to justify it in any means necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, just to point that in there, because I, I think that's going to make more sense if I say that mm-hmm. with some of the things that we're talking about, because, again, some of these families I'm very curious about, because we've t- we've kind of privately kind of talked about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so so we're, we're in Memphis now with the Bells. I'm still trying to keep, keep us on track here. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Now, if you think about Bells, have to get this establishment because you think about it, anywhere in Tennessee, like before then, it's just Memphis. Okay. But now it's anywhere in Tennessee now because they feel like these, these families who are the main establishers of Tennessee law, culture, you name it, right? Are the ones that you like the gatekeepers? Okay. Now, we gotta look at what John had to go through, and John sure. had to go through this one particular family who does a lot of the trade of tobacco, and I think it's the Wellington family. And the Wellington family is totally gone from okay. Memphis. Wellington family were a pretty dominant family of tobacco for Memphis trade. Okay. Now, but the thing about the Wellington family, they more are a part of a, let's just say, Masons. Gotcha. Okay. So that's that's going to be a whole topic. I know. <laughs> now, one thing about the Masons, and especially in Memphis, and we t- we we be talking about this a lot, right? But it's a whole lot more when you're dealing with these families. 
The Wellington family is prominent scholars' rights. That makes, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Just based off the last name. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. And with that saying, they literally were big in tobacco, but also slave trade. Okay. I think, I, I think I'm starting to, to understand kind of what's going on here. So, so John Bell is not only is he doing dealing in tobacco, but this could be potentially where he's getting some of his slaves from yeah, exactly. simultaneously. Now, now we know that Dean and uh, uh, Dean's wife and uh, I think it was his mother. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously came from North Carolina. Those mm-hmm. are the pre- main three right, they throughout the story that are consistent. Right, exactly. Yeah, but he he was a businessman, first, right? He as we've already mentioned. So mm-hmm. he's got to be getting his product i mean I, I hate using this you know term right you know especially when we're talking about humans but yeah he's got to get his product yeah he ha- that's what he's thinking about and you know you gotta think about the south that is part of that right that's part of the culture but back to the dance the Wellington family they was thinking about okay in order for you to go ahead and make this trade you have to give us something interesting okay to to establish this in Tennessee. Okay. So John, obviously, if you look at the historic markings um, and also the writings and also the contracts and stuff like that, he had to make this deal. And the deal was that he had to give them something. Now, what was it? That's me to be questioned. I mean, if we're if we're talking about anything occultic related, and I've explained this to you, so so from an occultic standpoint, so as a Christian, I'm going I'm to try to distinct the two. Gotcha. So, so as a Christian, we don't have to pay anything. We don't bring anything to the table other than our sin. Definitely. Christ is what paid that price for us. Yes, absolutely. So, so with that being said, I mean, like, Jesus dying on the cross was literally that. Mm-hmm. He, he was that price. Mm-hmm. But in the occultic world, you know, this is just coming from a person who's been there in that world. Uh it's a I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's always a I'll give you something, but it's always a price. Ninety five percent of the time, it's a blood pact. That's right. In some capacity. No, I'm not saying it's always that because clearly I said it was ninety five, not a hundred percent. Right. There are some stipulations, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, if you're dealing with anything demon related. They want something, and it's not going to be pleasant for you. Exactly. So we got, you know, I think, man, and the way that I researched the Wellington family, what remains the Wellington family, everything else, is this. They were part, not only Scottish right, but also they have another part of Santana worship. Oh, okay, okay. So um, when you look at their family history, though, a lot of them was establishing a lot of their temples around. And these temples was not prominent like okay. we see today. Right. But right. they was more, it was not even out there. Now, but they so was here's high. my question related to that, though. Uh-huh. So can you still see remnants of those temples Absolutely. In, in, in Memphis? Absolutely. Matter of fact, I even even tell you directly what they are. Uh, a lot of those, if you go downtown, Okay. Perfect example is near Bill Street. Makes sense, that's, right? That's kind of like the main hub, of- hub of everything. But in Bill Street, if you go up near downtown, near Bill Street, is over there at a use of it now is a prominent hotel now. It go figure, to, yeah, <laughs> right. That was one of those temples. Really? Mm-hmm. They built a hotel right now. It's downtown. Right there so on your avenue. Here's my here's my second question. To Absolutely. That. I wonder if they have any of like paranormal activity in that hotel. Well, you know, have, have they like oh, said that? Well, let me. I'm, a, I'm glad you brought this up. During that time, and this is in '95. This is before me and my wife about to be married. I was me and her. We was um, dating at the time. It was an absolutely incident that happened. That all the windows blew out of that hotel, real, Wait, like that. Really? Yeah. And it was in the summertime. Nothing happened. Not no. So gas, no bombs. No. Bombs, no, no gas leaks. Nothing. No. Yeah. It was huh. actually windows just blew out. Everybody was wondering, well, what could that be? And then, of course, 
a lot of people who used to own the hotel because it's close to the Peabody Hotel. And okay, I get you. Yeah. I'm kind of understanding the location. Right, yeah, yeah. It's right next door. It's right across the street on Union Avenue okay. in Memphis. And you Peabody Hotel, that's another family. We'll talk about that a little bit. That hotel, all the windows blew out. And when they blew hmm. out, something sounded like some hollering was going on. It was during the day. That was huh. the strange thing about it. And it was when a thunderstorm about to come up from the horizon. And people was like, what was that? What was that? And everybody was thought they'd hear it. Yeah, I mean, I, of, I would imagine that was sheer and utter panic. Oh, yeah, it was. And people was going nuts about it. And it was like, did anybody hear that? And, of course, no one did not say a word. I can understand why, you know, from a from a... From an occultic perspective, right? Like if you if you're if you're dealing with something that is powerful enough to do that, because keep in mind, like when we're talking about occultic, you're essentially. So I've told you in two different ways, right? So like in the occultic world, you're always trying to get up to the next level, personally, from from a personal standpoint, right? But it's also what are you selling yourself to? Like, like, what have you brought in that's allowing you to get to the next level? Right. So, so it's always kind of a two-factor thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly, in this temple, they were doing some stuff that was allowing something that was powerful enough to blow out the windows, whenever it so choose. I wonder, though, if there was some significant reasoning, like a date or a time frame, that's related to the history. You follow me on that? Yeah, I started to see what you're saying because um, I was thinking that too when I, um, you know, when I go go back and look at this stuff, everything else. And I remember that day. I remember that day very well because I was just, you know, driving around. I was downtown that area at huh. the time, and you know, my aunt, my late aunt at the time, you know, I was picking it up everything. And everybody was like in sheer panic. And she used to work out there at the uh, Peabody Hotel. And she was, everybody was in sheer panic. Of course, her, you know, at the time she was very superstitious herself. And she was like, I heard some sounds. I said, What are you talking about? You know, of course. So that's not, obviously, I mean, and I can talk about, I'll talk about hauntings and some other. Right. But there is typical sounds that you would hear right and those type of situations I of mean, course like, so like uh just for an example like one of the common sounds related to the bell witch is like chains being drug across the floor right and so like the current owners the former owners uh, and even goes all the way back to the bells people have heard chain in, and it's not just in the house it's in the cave itself right exactly so, it's a foreign sound that makes absolutely no sense. Right. But it's there. And but, people have experienced it. But also, you got to look at this, Brent, that's really amazing about what that happened in night five. And when people heard and saw the windows blew out, they was making another temple downtown of another Scottish Rite temple. Well, see, that could be connected in some capacity. I mean, I'm, I'm just hypothesizing here. No, no, no. But you, if you go look at the history, you're absolutely right. And it was dedicated to that family. Well, then, again, this is just a hypothesis. Like, like we're just speculating at this point, right? Yeah, but that could be connected, right? But 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 it's very connected. But go back to the Wellington family. That family was very prominent into occulted, you know, uh, uh, rituals and stuff like that. So so my my question is this: Why would a Christian family like the Bells? willingly subject themselves to that? That's a good question, but I think it's because of business. I mean, I hate to I hate to be like a stickler with this, but like even myself, right? I don't think that I would do it. I, I don't think if I if I knew that, I don't know if I would willingly subject myself as a Christian to something that's sheer darkness. Like, but, if I knew it. Yeah, if I knew it, right. But see, that's I think that that's where the funny thing about it, and this is where Memphis started to become a little hairy. Memphis tinkled with a lot of darkness and trying to use it as light. 
I mean, common misconception. We can see this all through scripture. We know it in our culture. Right, I mean, it, like, it, yeah, you know, the verse that all of this is built on is John chapter one, verse five. Five, exactly. So, I mean, the darkness can't comprehend light. It never can. And and even if it tr- the darkness tries to use light, it's going to be a twisted understanding of it. Right. And if you look at the more of the cultural standpoint, a lot of these families and a lot of prominent people and a lot of the culture, especially religion, usually are not good because... Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and that's what they was going on. And they pretend to be something they're not. And, of course, the Bells, who we know for a fact could be Christian, everything else, coming into a place, well, almost near the time before the Civil War. Okay, I see what you're saying. So, and and we think about it, you got representation going up and down to uh, uh, D.C., trying to claim something, everything else. We we talk about old, old Hickory, and all this stuff relates into religion. Now, something that's interesting to me, uh, you know, related to, to John, uh, was basically once he died, the business really wasn't carried on by the rest of the family. So I think that's significant when you think about his dealings with these families because I think they would see that as a in the occultic world they would see that as a win you know hey we took out a we took out a Christian but I don't think that's the case necessarily and you think about it I yeah and, and it makes sense too because um occultists will probably think one thing they said we got this but I don't think it was a win for them I don't think it was either, just because of, and again, like there's there's other factors clearly with the Bell family. You yeah, know, I've already mentioned all of this. So I'm not going to really go into that side of it, but it, it's so intriguing that the Bells are so intertwined with this. Yeah, and, and I don't think that it was intentional. No, I don't think it was. I think it's more. If it was intentional, it would be it would be from North Carolina. Right, like these are business deals that he probably already had, mm-hmm. and he was just trying to. So, like the company that I work for, for instance, part part of the reason as to why we have a location in Tennessee is because if you think about it from a broader spectrum, right, Tennessee is a central location for the rest of America. Yeah. So if you're doing a business, it actually makes sense to do your business in Tennessee, mm-hmm. whether it's Eastern, Middle, Western, it doesn't matter, because Tennessee is literally in the center of America. And so it's almost equal direction from here to New York and here to Los Angeles. Exactly. You know, so from that standpoint, it makes sense. It just, it's really interesting that all of this is is based off of families that were into occultism or or Satanism. Like it just, I I didn't think it was going to twist into that. Yeah, but it's it's, it's, because, and it's really fine. Um, I'm gonna give you a little bit more of the content. Yeah. Um, when we get to a, the little point, I want to get to this one little point here that's very prevalent. I want to give you a little bit of history about the Wellington family that people don't know, and you will laugh. Okay. You'll laugh real hard. You're like, "What? Yes, that's why." You'll see why the Bells did that deal. Okay. What's that? He was a Baptist preacher. Okay. And not only was he a Baptist preacher, um, the, the head family member that time was part of the founder of, of the Southern Baptist. Oh, okay. Well, that, did, yeah, that makes sense. That's why if you look at the Bell family. Okay, I get it now. That that actually makes sense because if you're talking about, you know, because they they were Baptists, it's clear, and two of their closest friends were both preachers. Uh, I believe one might have been Methodist and the other oh, one was Baptist. Baptist, yeah. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, like they surrounded themselves with godly people intentionally. Yeah. So the fact that somebody is posing as a Baptist preacher, 
Makes sense to me. May, yeah, that's why do you think, well, why would he just blatantly go with the people that's a cult? Well, he really didn't even know that it was a cult. These people yeah. were absolutely pretending to be what they're not. I mean, the word uh, uh, cult, that's that's what it is, out of, out of light. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're they're trying to, and I did this very, very well. I was I was a master at this, of hiding in plain sight. Wow. I mean, there was there was people that had no idea. Most of my own family didn't even know. Wow. Uh, you know, it wasn't until almost 15 years later that I'm having conversations with them, and they're like, so that's what happened to you? I was like, yeah, I was, a, I was afraid I was going to, you know, hurt people, <laughs> people that I loved and cared about. Like, when I say that this stuff gets dark, it gets dark quick. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, guys. So with that being said, I mean, like, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. This rabbit hole goes pretty deep, and uh, I think we're gonna probably wrap up this first episode. Uh, I hope you guys in, enjoyed what you've heard so far. Uh, there's, we're not sure how many episodes that this is actually gonna be, but I just encourage you to think about all the things that we talked about and analyze them from your own point of view. You decide what you believe and who you believe in. If you have any suggestions of topics that you'd like us to discuss or inquiries about Out of Darkness podcasts, please reach out to us via Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us at indarknessintolight at gmail.com. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more content. God bless.